0: Welcome to FraserCast. I'm your host, Dave Fedig. Today we're talking with Abby Vavra on how local nonprofits, including Fraser, are affected by COVID-19 and the decisions that are made at the state level. Abby serves as Fraser's Public Policy and Compliance Counsel. She joined Fraser in 2012 after working to advocate for individuals with special needs at Wisconsin's Protection and Advocacy Agency. Every day, she is thankful that she can work with colleagues to further Fraser's mission to make a meaningful and lasting difference in the lives of children and families with special needs. Welcome, Abby. Thank you. Uh, so, Abby, in a traditional setting, let's say pre-COVID, what would be your role in advocating for the special needs community? For example, during the legislative session.
1: Yep, so I work as Frasier's Public Policy and Compliance Council, and so during a typical legislative session, my role is to represent Frazier in conversations in the community about how proposed legislation may impact the people that we serve and our organization as a whole. So I would spend a lot of time in meetings with other advocates and also in meetings with legislators or tracking and following um, what different House and Senate committees are, um, are reviewing and considering for potential legislation.
0: Is that on the state level or do you work at the federal level also?
1: Yep, that is primarily at the state level and um, occasionally we are tracking and working with national organizations on federal legislation.
0: So in that case, do you work with other groups, other organizations together?
1: We do. So some of our key partners would be the Mental Health Legislative Network here in Minnesota, and that's a group of other providers who are working to build and strengthen um, Minnesota's mental health system. We also work with ARM, which is a Um, an organization, or a professional association for home and community-based service providers. So advocating for individuals who are receiving uh, services that are licensed or um, fall under Minnesota Statute 245D. And then we also work closely with the Minnesota Consortium for Citizens with Disabilities, which consists of both providers and individuals who are passionate about making sure individuals with special needs are represented in our public policy discussions.
0: So that sounds like a pretty complicated uh, portfolio in normal uh, times. And then along comes uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. How has this sort of upset the apple cart for you in terms of what you do in, in your role with Fraser?
1: Right. So Minnesota's legislative session began in January of 2020. And going into the start of the session, uh, advocates and public policy experts had a full agenda of, um, of topics we wanted to, to push forward, including licensing for um, professionals like board-certified behavior analysts, um, making sure that the, um, that children in foster care are accessing um, phone calls to their parents, um, and any number of items that, that affect uh, education for children with special needs. As soon as the peacetime emergency was um, was established and called, uh, we. Regeared and refocused our efforts and started working to make sure that the civil rights of individuals with special needs are protected during the um, the peacetime emergency, making sure that staff who are working with individuals with special needs have the personal protective equipment to keep both themselves and their clients safe, then also making sure that providers like Frazier have the, uh, the necessary tools to remain open for the duration of the pandemic and afterwards.
0: In, in, in term, let's talk a little bit more about the government's response to healthcare needs, because I think people don't often, when they think of healthcare, they think of medical doctors right away. Um, to what degree have organizations like Fraser and others um, been successful or not, or have had to make special efforts to ensure that uh, for example, you may or may not have benefited from the CARES Act and that sort of thing. Well, how does Fraser fit into this?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, the, both the federal and the state um, elected leaders have tried hard to make sure that nonprofits are um, are receiving support during the pandemic. However, Fraser, because of its size and its uh, its continuum of service offerings has not been included in any of the legislation that's been passed. Because we have over 500 employees, we did not benefit from the CARES Act funding that was established. And because we provide mental health and um, home and community-based services, we did not fit within the definition of a healthcare entity. So we've been working hard over the past weeks to help elected leaders and the public understand that the work we're doing is a critical part of the healthcare system and we need funding and we need access to uh, personal protective equipment, just like hospitals or clinics or nursing homes might.
0: But, but at the same time, wasn't Fraser deemed an essential organization? I and mean, if so, what does that mean? And uh, you know, how, how does that factor in in terms of uh, these decisions?
1: Yep, that's an excellent question. Frasier is an essential provider. Uh, following the September 11th attacks, the federal government uh, reviewed and established guidelines for agencies and entities that are necessary to maintain our social structure during an emergency. Because we provide housing, because we provide child care, and because we provide mental health services, Frasier is key to... Of maintaining our social structure and our social networks even during an emergency and for that reason we're an essential provider and we are required to stay open and to continue serving clients uh, regardless of what is happening in the world around us.
0: And regardless of how much funding you, they may or may not send you. Uh, sure. uh, so you mentioned housing and daycare services and, and other services that Fraser provides, and the need for PPE. Has Fraser uh, been adequately outfitted with PPE? Do they have the resources they need?
1: Right. So, we are continuing on a daily basis to seek out the PPE that we need um, gloves, masks, gowns, those sorts of things are in short supply. Um, Oximeters to make sure that we can, uh, you know, test oxygen levels. Those are all things that we need. We were fortunate to benefit from um, volunteers who made cloth face masks for our staff, and that has helped us immensely. Uh, but there's still other PPE that we need ongoing.
0: So how does Frasia compare to other some of the other nonprofits in the area that are working with a similar population? Uh, this must be a great challenge for all of. mental health organizations in the in Minnesota of course across the country and around the world. But how does Frasier fit in with the rest of the community?
1: Yeah so uh, Frasier offers a continuum of services. So we serve both children and adults. We serve individuals in housing programs, in child care, and uh, we have a mental health clinic. So we have a variety of services that many other providers do not have. Uh, Many other of our sister agencies focus in on a certain age range or on mental health services, but not um, housing services or services for people with developmental disabilities. So uh, Fraser is unique in the, uh, the service offerings that we have and the number of people that we can serve.
0: So, how has Fraser answered this need for people's ser- the the services that they need, the healthcare that they need, mental health care that they need, and then the challenges with delivery? Um, how have you brought been able to bring those two together, and and maybe you can describe a, a program or two and how it's working?
1: Sure. So, I work with a number of very creative and dedicated individuals, and we have been working um, since the peacetime emergency was established to alter our service delivery model. So for our outpatient mental health clients we've moved to a telehealth model and we are now offering services uh, via phone or via video conference. Uh, In our group homes we have had to bring in additional staff to support clients who used to be in day programs uh, but those day programs closed and so now we are finding ways to make sure that we are connecting individuals with their loved ones and their friends, uh, even though they can't be physically near them. Uh, And we're making sure that those staff uh, are, you know, are consistently in the home and that they're safe when they're in those homes.
0: I understand that Fraser has introduced a new telephone line. You want to tell us about that?
1: Sure. Yep. The Hope Line is one of those uh, new services that we have used um, used this time to develop. It is a, um, both a phone number and an email address that individuals can reach out to free of charge if they have questions about their own emotional health and well-being, or you know, the the health and well-being of a friend or family member, and they are able to connect with a mental health professional who can talk with them and provide them with resources.
0: We cannot mention the Fraser Hope line without giving the phone number. If you don't have it memorized, I have it right here.
1: I would love it if you'd share it with
0: others. 612-446-HOPE and that's from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday Central Time. Abby, you discussed some of the programs and the services that Fraser is able to offer at this time. How have how has this met the needs of your clientele? That is to say, um, people aren't coming in as often as they used to. They're making choices to stay home. Um, do you have a sense for how this is impacting your families, your clients, um, before we can get back to normal when they can get back to into a daily, weekly, monthly, whatever sort of? Thing?
1: Right. We have been hearing from our clients. And what we understand from our clients and from their families is that um, this pandemic has been very disruptive and very stressful. Um, routines have changed, typical supports uh, are no longer accessible. And so Fraser services are necessary more um, now than ever. And so we're working hard to make sure that uh, as this as this pandemic unfolds that we are modifying our services to connect people with the tools that they need as quickly as possible, and really looking to help people um, adjust to what will probably be some new norms as we move into um, summer and into a prolonged response to this this virus.
0: Prolonged response, that's such a smart way to describe what's coming up, because it's not it's not gonna end soon, that seems to be the case at any rate. Um, can you describe for what you think uh, the world might look like for Fraser going forward uh, in terms of operation of business, but also in terms of how you might um, address the, uh, the funding streams, if you will, uh, and the government's response to this going forward? It's hard to predict the future, I understand that, but you have to try to do that. Um, so so how, where do you see Fraser's place in this?
1: yeah well, I think that Fraser will continue to offer services via um, telehealth or telemedicine. I think that as we are able, we will open our clinics up with new enhanced uh, safety measures to make sure that social distancing can be um, can be adhered to. I think we will continue to advocate for um, funding and for tools from both the federal and state government to continue offering services in alternative formats. Um, And then also funding to support maybe some additional um, dollars for, again, protective equipment for our staff and our clients. Uh, and really just continuing to monitor how this illness is progressing in our communities and its impact that it's having on both physical and emotional well-being for the people we serve.
0: So you mentioned this legislative session. Uh, let's address that again in terms of Minnesota State. It's in session right now. Um, any hopes coming out of
1: this from Minnesota? Yeah. We, yes, we have a number of hopes uh, for what our elected officials here in Minnesota can do to help nonprofits like Fraser and uh, the disability community. So we're hoping that they will take a number of the uh, service delivery waivers that they have issued and they will formalize those uh, into long-term changes. to to programming. We're hopeful that they will continue to work with uh, home and community-based providers like Fraser to have access to the personal protective equipment that we need. And we're really hoping that they're going to look at um, some of the administrative Uh, pieces of operating a nonprofit and that they will provide us with maybe some extensions or some forgiveness of expenses that we have incurred um, during this time as we have worked to both support clients and employees.
0: If there's anything that a listener might want to do, they might be inspired to you know maybe get involved on behalf of Fraser in terms of these legislative issues, are you uh, making opportunities available or we can toss this one away if this question doesn't make sense for Fraser? but uh, uh, so Abby, you, we've talked about legislation and uh, for what's forthcoming for Frazier and what your hopes are. If listeners want to get involved, maybe contact a state uh, representative or Senator. Um, do you have any means to uh, any resources for our listeners if they want to get involved?
1: Sure. So we regularly post on our social media if there is uh, proposed legislation or if there is an advocacy group that is meeting um, or that, you know, proposed legislation that's up for discussion. And we encourage. friends of Fraser to, to follow our social media so they know what's going on at Frasier but then they can also take a look and they can decide to reach out to their um, elected officials and let them know whether they support um, proposed legislation or they can join these advocacy organizations and, um, and be a, another voice that's advocating for the disability community.
0: That's great. So social media. All those things I don't do, people know what they are, and they're going to be able to find out how to do this. That's fantastic. Uh, So I I need to ask this uh, in terms of inside baseball and in your work. uh, Normally, I would imagine there's a lot of face-to-face. You're holding meetings, you're talking to people and advocating on behalf of Fraser and that sort of thing. How does it work for you in this world of Zoom meetings and phone calls and emails and that sort of thing?
1: Right, there are a lot of Zoom meetings. Um, there's a lot of Facebook Live and YouTube videos watching, um, watching our elected leaders uh, hold meetings remotely. So I think I probably know more about um, the living room and dining room artwork of our elected officials than I ever would have in a typical session. Um, but we're, we're on Zoom meetings and sending emails um, almost around the clock.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, Abby.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure to talk with you this afternoon.
0: This has been very informative, and it is critical for listeners to hear about these financial gaps for nonprofits like Frazier. So thank you for taking the time with us today. For those of you listening, if you're interested in supporting the essential services Frasier provides to vulnerable individuals around the state of Minnesota, please visit www.frazer.org. That's F-R-A-S-E-R. Dot org to make a gift or register for an upcoming event. It's because of you that the ability for Fraser to serve those in need is still possible. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host Dave Fettig. As always, take care of yourself, be well, and stay safe.